Scripture this morning is Mark 12, verses 35 through 44. And as Jesus taught in the temple, he said, How can the scribes say that the Christ is the son of David? David himself in the Holy Spirit declared, The Lord said to my Lord, Sit at my right hand until I put your enemies under your feet. David himself calls him Lord, so how is he his son? And the great throng heard him gladly. And in his teaching he said, Beware of the scribes who like to walk around in long robes and like greetings in the marketplaces and have the best seats in the synagogues and the places of honor at feasts who devour widows' houses and for a pretense make long prayers, they will receive the greater condemnation. And he sat down opposite the treasury and watched the people putting money into the offering box. Many rich people put in large sums, and a poor widow came and put in two small copper coins, which make a penny. And he called his disciples to him and said to them, Truly I say to you, this poor widow has put in more than all those who are contributing to the offering box. For they all contributed out of their abundance, but she, out of her poverty, has put in everything she had, all she had to live on. Thank you, Bill. Good morning, good morning. Jesus can resurrect the dead. That's true in you. And we're happy that we're here together this morning. What does the real Jesus look like? For centuries, people have wondered and wanted to have images and have painted and have looked for the real Jesus. What was he all about? What did he physically even look like? One of the main topics of conversation during Christmas time, just this most recent Christmas time, was a discovery of a, of a uh, skull, a man by the name of Richard Nevy, he had uh, constructed from a Judean skull uh, a man uh, to, to portray what Jesus really looked like. And let me show you the image that they came up with. This is a typical Jewish man, Judean man. This would be what their features would typically look like. You know, scriptures speak of Jesus as one who, again, didn't stand out, very normal in his life. We, in our Western mind, we love to have Jesus with beautiful flowing hair and blue eyes and that pierce our souls. But he was a normal Jewish man and probably looked like this. And again, people have continued to paint and to draw and to come up with what Jesus really looked like. Well, you know what? Jesus wants us to know what he really looks like. He wants us to understand him, to recognize who he is. He wants us to see the real Jesus, not just in his physical appearance, but to know that he is God in the flesh, to know his character, to know his love, to know his grace, to know his forgiveness to know his salvation. All that we would learn from him and to know as we knew Jesus more that we could put our faith 
and that we can put our trust in Him and Him alone. So let's pray that this morning. Heavenly Father, we come to you this morning. Lord Jesus, we come to you this morning. And Father, we want to see you. Jesus, we want to see who you really are and understand you and know you. And I pray for each and every one in this room that we will truly uh, see you. Not just to try to get an image of your outward appearance, but to see you to the core of who you are. And your amazing love for us. That you are our Lord and our Savior. And Father, may we see that. May we see that we have life in you. May we see all that you have done for us. As we sang this morning about the cross, you gave everything for us so that we might have life. And so, Father, those in this room who have never seen you before, I pray this morning that they will. In your beautiful and precious name, amen. Last week, we entered into the passage in Mark chapter 12, one of the most profound passages in all of Scripture, as Jesus teaches about the greatest commandment. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all of your heart and with all of your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. The second is this, and is similar. Love your neighbor as yourself. There is no greater commandment than these. Jesus is taking all of the commandments that were being laid out upon the people and summing them up in two. Love God, love others. Again, I'm always amazed why we make it so difficult, this Christian journey of ours. Love God, love others. Our daily walk, we should wake up in the morning giving God our praise, loving Him, and then going, God, help me to love others. Because of what you've poured into me, I want to love others. That's our Christian journey. Love God, love others. Let's stop making it so challenging and so difficult. Let's enter into people's lives. Let's enter into relationship with Jesus. And let's love God and love others. And he goes from this incredible teaching and he enters into the temple. And let me just show you uh, the temple square and what that would have looked like as he entered in. The main entrance there was the women's court. And as you're coming in, you see the big court uh, right in the middle with the circle in the middle as well. That's where where most everybody just kind of hung out. And the women's court was right in there. Jesus hung out a lot in there, and a lot of people would just come and spend time at the temple. And this is where Jesus spent his time when he was in Jerusalem. He loved to be in the temple. He loved to be observing and teaching the good news. And he would go there. He can show that next image of the temple. It was a glorious place. It was a place where people loved to be. There was a lot of spiritual activity. And again, Jesus has been teaching about the fact that, you know what, all of this offering, all this sacrifice, this isn't what I'm calling you to in a new relationship with me. You're going through the motions, but your hearts are hard. 
And so he deals with the Pharisees and the scribes and the Sadducees and the teachers of the law. And he's teaching them here in the temple. And this is where Jesus would be as he was teaching this lesson, this new lesson. He wants us to understand the kingdom of God and what the real Jesus looks like. And as we think about what the real Jesus looks like, connected with that is, is which Jesus are we following? As we start to discover Jesus, which Jesus are we following? He wants you to follow Him, King of King and Lord of Lords. And it's funny how sometimes we start following a, a Jesus that looks like Jesus, has a, has a taste Sometimes gives some of the message, but it's not the real Jesus. He wants us to see him and to know him and to follow him. And so in these courts, he is teaching. He taught in the temple. He said, how can the scribes say that Christ is the son of David? And David himself, in the Holy Spirit, declared, the Lord said to my Lord, sit at my right hand until I put your enemies under your feet. David calls him Lord. So how is his son? And the great throng heard him gladly. Jesus quotes out of Psalm 110, where David is speaking of the Lord, and where David the king calls him not only son, but Lord. How can he call me both? Jesus is addressing the crowd. We go, what's, what's Jesus trying to teach here? What is he getting after? You know, Son of David was a, a common title for Jesus. Common title for the one who would be the anointed one, the Messiah. The Jews were looking forward to a God-sent deliverer, the Son of David. David was the king. Everybody loved David. And out of the lineage of David, we see in the Scriptures... The Messiah would come. All through the New Testament, there was a waiting that the son of David and the line of David would come. But here was the problem. Attached to that title, son of David, was this nationalistic fervor, this political slant, hopes and dreams and ambitions of a conquering king who would have victory. Son of David had that attached to it. That's not necessarily a wrong thing. They wanted to have this hope of a deliverer, but they were missing the real Jesus and what he was coming in for. They were under an incredible amount of oppression, but they were missing why Jesus came and how he was coming. What Jesus is doing here, I believe, he's not saying that I'm not the son of David. I'm not in the line of David. I'm not the anointed one. He's not saying that. He's actually, I think, receiving that. But I think what he's saying is, I am far, far more than the son of David. I am Lord. And David knew that. I'm not just this man in the flesh, this image that you saw up there. I'm not just this fleshly lineage, this anointed one. I am Lord. I'm so much more. Yes, I am son of David. I have come to the earth, God in the flesh, but I'm so much more. Think about it for a minute. Do you ever, ever had your teenagers call you by your first name? Hey, Rod, could you grab me some milk out of the fridge? You ever have that happen? And you're like, what? 
Here's the truth. Yes, my name is Rod. It is. But I am so much more than that. I am Father. I have authority. I am so much more than Rod. And you need to know that. And God is saying that. Jesus is saying that. I am so much more than Son of David. I am Lord. I am lover of your souls. I came to die on the cross and to give you life. This is who I am. Christ is superior to David. Christ is Lord of David. And he lives out his life as servant king. That's who he is. You want to see the real Jesus? He is servant. What does Jesus look like, truly? It's amazing how the Scriptures lay out the greatness of God, of Jesus. I just want to read a few Scriptures to you. Because what Jesus is saying in the temple courts, as he's speaking to these people, trying to set up a new kingdom to establish a new relationship with mankind, is I want you to really see me and know who I am. Yes, I'm son of David, but I am so very much more. Listen to these scriptures, and if you want to turn there, you can. Colossians 2. By Christ, all things were created, both in heavens and on earth, visible and invisible. In John 1, of who our Jesus is. In the beginning was the word Jesus And the Word, Jesus, was with God. And the Word, Jesus, was God. He was with God in the beginning. And through Him, all things were made. That's Jesus. Without Him, nothing was made that has been made. In Him was life. And that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. You see, this is who the real Jesus is. Do you know Him? Have you seen Him? Have you let Him be your Lord? He wants you to see Him. Listen to Colossians 1, starting in verse 15. You want to know that I'm more than just the Son of David in the flesh? The Son is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For in him all things were created, things in heaven and things on earth, visible and invisible. Whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. Our Jesus, he is before all things, and in him all things hold together. And he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning and the firstborn from among the dead so that in everything he might have supremacy. That's who the real Jesus is. For God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in Jesus, and through him, through Jesus, to reconcile himself to all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven. This is what Jesus did. He made peace through his blood that was shed on the cross. This is who Jesus is. This is why Jesus came. So that we would have peace with God as we received Him as our Lord and Savior. And once we were alienated from God, we were enemies in our minds. 
because of our evil behavior, but now He has reconciled you by Christ's physical body. Yes, He came as Son of David physically, but He's so much more. And through death, He presents you holy in His sight, without blemish and free of accusation. If you continue in your faith, established and firm, and do not move from the hope held out in the Gospel, you see, this is the Gospel. This is the good news that you heard and that has been proclaimed to every creature under heaven, which I, Paul, became a servant of. That's who our Jesus is. Do you see the real Jesus? He is the King of kings. He is the Lord of lords. He is so much more. He is our Savior. He is our life. And so Jesus says, how can they just say, I'm son of David, when David himself knew through the Holy Spirit that I am Lord? Do you know him that way? When we do, we can place our trust in him. We can place our life. Nothing is out of control. All these things we prayed for this morning, God's hand and His presence is with us. Everything comes under His control. All this political environment, He's got His hand. It's not out of control. Our trust is not in men. Our trust is in the living God. Do you see Jesus? Because that's what He looks like. He goes on from this place... Basically saying, don't place your trust in these other religious leaders that are here. Place your trust in me. See me. Know who I am. Look what he teaches to the crowds. I want you to see me. David himself called me Lord. That's who I am. And as he taught, he said, listen. And he's looking around again in the courtyards. He's in the temple. Beware, watch out for the teachers of the law. They love to walk around in flowing robes. They would, they would show up in these incredible robes, white, very long, with tassels. It was very difficult to work or do anything in these robes because it was hard to move around. You kind of go slowly. It was a robe really of leisure and of wealth and of prominence. And definitely, definitely when you entered into a room, you would be noticed. Oh, and they love that. He says, watch out for these. Watch out for these who love to put on this glossy appearance, to try to bring you all these spiritual things. Love those who, or, or don't love those and follow those who are trying to, to bring all of this religiosity into your life. Beware of them. You know, we've gone through seasons and seasons, right, of the the televangelist movement looked so glossy, didn't they? The Ted Haggards and the Jimmy Swaggarts and the Jimmy Bakers. And boy, they put on a show. And yet their hearts were hard. That's what these, these religious leaders, they put on an incredible show. And they want all of the attention on them. I have arrived. And therefore, I will take my place in the front seats. Right by the law. I will have a place of prominence. And during the feast, I will have a place of prominence. During the feast, you would sit on the right. That would be the highest place of prominence of your host. Second place would be to the left, and then we'll go back and forth. Then second one over on the right. And so there was a, definitely a pecking order 
Oh, and trust me, they made sure they had the highest place. They loved to be known. They loved it when everybody would call out their name, Norm, when you walk into a room. They loved it. as rabbi, teaching one, exalted one. They loved that attention. It says, beware of them. That's not what relationship with God looks like. It's not about gaining prominence. It's not about being first. Actually, Jesus taught completely the opposite of that, didn't he? You want to be first in the kingdom of God? You shall be last. You shall be servant of all. That's the real Jesus. These men love to come in, and it says, look at the scriptures, they devoured the widows. There was, there was another televangelist in the 90s, Robert Tilton. They did an expose on him. And what they found in his trash bins out back was literally tons, weight-wise, tons of mail that was not opened. All these prayers of all these widows and these needy, they found tons of mail in these bins, unopened. And the expose found all this mail. They basically, they scanned it. If it didn't have money in it, they threw it out. They didn't even open it up to read the prayers of the people. People who were incredibly poor were sending in their money and sending in their prayers because Robert Tilton promised them, oh, if you send these in, you'll be blessed of God. And he just ripped them off. That's what these teachers were doing. They were devouring widows. And what they were doing is, you see, they weren't allowed to make a earning, a living in their, in their position. And so they would go to the poorest of poor, these widows who didn't have anything, and, and really offer them some sort of spiritual blessing of God. Give me your money. And they would believe them, and they would support them financially when they had nothing. And they'd end up even in more despair. Don't place your trust in these men. These ones who walk around looking for the highest place. Stand in the courts and pray loudly so that everybody can hear. Don't place your trust on them. Woodrow Wilson described one minister. He said of this man, He was the only man I knew who could strut while sitting down that minister will be judged more severely. Those who handle the word of God and those who, who enter into spiritual work, Christian work, and they think they can do this to people, God says, I will judge them more severely. And so we as pastors here, we are always very aware of this role that we have. And we beg God, Lord, continue to humble us in this role. We never want to be like we see what's going on in the temple courts or what's going on in the world with some of these televangelists who are just ripping people off, leading them astray. Don't place your trust in leaders. Don't place your trust in men. Yes, they have charisma, but they're all about prominence and they want deference. They want to be known and set apart. Jesus says again, the first Those who want to be first shall be last. Psalm 146 says this, Don't trust in princes, 
or in mortal man in whom there is no salvation. And so I think we are to trust in the King of kings and the Lord of lords. That's what the real Jesus looks like. He's the one who is humble. He is the one who has given everything. You know, we talk about loving the Lord our God with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength. We can do that and we offer that because He has offered everything for us. That's the real Jesus. His love all the way to the cross. And then His power, the resurrection of Jesus Christ, that whoever should believe upon Him shall not perish, but have life. Do you want to see the real Jesus? Do you want to know what He really looks like? He is the one who is greater than great. The one that is worthy of our awe. He's not the one who is out promoting himself, but the one who is serving. And we are called to worship him. I just need to take a moment um, just to, to have some time with God and do my own worship. So if you could, if you could just sort of sit there and pray for a minute. I just need to have time with God for a second. We should all be bringing our worship unto the Lord. And so I really don't want you to pay any attention to me up here because it's my time in worshiping God. I'd like it to be a quiet time. I'd like this time to be holy and praising of our Lord. I don't want you to watch me doing this. Father, I just thank you for your so many blessings upon me. And I know it's because of my righteousness, God. Thank you for giving me so much. And I want to give back to you, Father. Thank you for making me so incredibly well-received through your power. And Father, I just pray for these poor souls out here that really need your help. Be with them, O God, and may they be righteous someday like me. And so, Father, we just come to you praying that prayer. O Lord, thank you for your greatness, and thank you that I get to be part of your greatness. Amen. There was in the temple courts, in the court of women, 13 trumpets, Let me show you an image. And the wealthy would come in and they would pour out their coins. They were called trumpets because they were shaped like that. But as they would come in to offer, it was was 13 for different things, for sacrifices and for different temple needs. And they would come in and they would pour out their coins into the trumpets and everybody would hear. And everybody would see how wonderful they were in their giving. And Jesus addresses this. Jesus steps in as he observes in the women's court, as we were looking at earlier. Jesus was a great people watcher. And he would watch what was going on in the hearts of men. You see, 
they would come in. And many rich people threw in large amounts as it clanged in the trumpets. But a poor widow came and put two very small copper coins worth only a fraction of a penny. Now look at the teaching here of Jesus. One of the greatest illustrations of what it means to give. Calling his disciples to him, Jesus said, I tell you the truth. This poor widow has put more into the treasury than all the others. They all gave out of their wealth, their Starbucks funds. But she, out of her poverty, she put in everything, all that she had to live on. What a beautiful illustration. The Lord had been talking about the greatest commandment. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And this widow demonstrated that that day. Everything about me belongs to the Lord. Everything of who I am. Like Adrienne read this morning out of Romans 12. May I be a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to you, O God. I'm not here to put on a show. I'm here to worship the living God because I see Jesus. He gave everything. Everything. I owe him everything. My life is no longer my own. I am bought with a price. I don't know why we continue to think it's our money. It's not. It's all his. And whatever the Lord puts on your heart in your worship, you give to the Lord. This widow and this teaching, she sacrificed everything. It wasn't excess. It wasn't just, well, it doesn't really affect my life. I have millions more. She gave everything. Giving is sacrificial. Giving is a heart towards God. It's true that money speaks, and what money says, it tells us where our heart is, doesn't it? Money is a good servant, but it's a poor master over us. And the thing is, is we start to place our trust in money. Jesus is saying, I want you to see who I really am. I want you to learn to place your trust in me and to know me and to have faith in me. Believe upon me and and receive me. You're putting your trust in, in these men who are leading you astray in these false ways of what I expect from relationship. I'm coming in with a new relationship where you can trust me completely. One of the areas that we struggle with often is, is that we can trust God with our finance and where that's at, right? All of us. We've got tax season coming up. It's like, man, Lord, I owe a lot. I'm not quite sure how I'm going to do that. Trusting Him that He's got His hand upon you. He knows your situation. And as you come to worship, trusting Him, whatever He's putting on your heart, it is a sacrifice. It should be. It should be. I have a good friend, and he taught me a lot in this. He, he's doing well financially. He's in a, he's in a good, good business, and, he's, uh, and he's, he's just making, he has enough money to live on and have a nice, nice life. And, and he came to me one day, he goes, you know, 
He goes, God, God has uh, blessed me with finance, and I'm thankful for it. Um, but I feel like when I give, it, it doesn't actually hurt. It doesn't hurt. It's not a sacrifice, really. I give a fair amount, but it doesn't, uh, doesn't really affect me. He goes, I want to learn to give where it actually is a sacrifice. It hurts a little. I have to give up. I have to give up things. In this culture, boy, we're tough on giving up things, aren't we? And so what he decided to do, he said, you know what? I'm going to start a foundation. And I'm going to place money into that foundation where it's going to, it's going to hurt. It's going to be a sacrifice. And I want that foundation money to be towards the widows and the orphans, basically those in need in this community. And so he partners with people in this community with his foundation. Because he felt, he felt that tug on his heart by the Lord. Lord, am I really giving all of me? What do you have for me? He, he at least asked that question. Lord, what do you have for me in this money that you've given me? I think a lot of us don't even ask that question. We give our Starbucks money, you know. And it's a challenge for all of us, but Jesus points out through this beautiful widow, this is what it means to place your trust in me. This is what it means to see me. And because she knows the real Jesus, she gave everything. Jesus looks right to the heart. Where are we placing our trust? And let me just speak to that out of Matthew 6. If you're at a place right now where you're struggling with finance and just how things are going to work out, hear the word of the Lord to you, the one you can place your trust in. Therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life, about what you eat or what you'll drink or about your body or what you will wear. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothes? Look at the birds of the sky. Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet our Heavenly Father feeds them. Here's what you can't miss. Here's the one thing the Lord wants you to see about you. Are you not much more valuable than they? And the answer to that is, yes, you are. You are my beautiful child. Can any one of you by worrying add a single hour to your life? I don't want you to worry about your clothes. Look how the flowers of the field grow and they do not labor or spin. Yet I tell you, not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and thrown into the fire tomorrow, Will he not much more clothe you? Oh, you of little faith. So stop worrying. Stop saying, what shall we eat? What shall we drink? How am I going to pay these taxes? What shall we wear? The pagans run after these things. And your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But let us be a people who first seek his kingdom and his righteousness. And all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. When you see the real Jesus, you learn to place your trust in him. Because he is creator of all. He holds all things together. He is the lover of your souls. Don't place our trust in men. 
Don't place our trust in money. We pray, place our trust in the real Jesus. Let's pray. Father, I pray this morning that, again, we will see you for who you truly are. That you are not only son of David, but you are Lord. Please, Father, help us to see that. And Father, forgive us when we place our trust in in leaders instead of you first. When we place our trust in money instead of you. Father, we want to draw near. And we thank you, Father, that you are not only son of David, that you are indeed Lord. In your precious name, amen.